tracking. You know, we're in the era of data. Your combine gathers data. Your phone gathers data, sometimes unwillingly against you. Uh, everything you do is gathering data. We're in an absolutely technologically evolved world from where we were in production agriculture just a few years ago. In fact, we're kind of leading the pack. There are a lot of industries that are we're not as advanced as we are. But you've got all this data, and it's all about collecting data. But what do you do with it then to make decisions to make you money? Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curb. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights and information you can apply immediately to your farming operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explorer, with innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield potential, and reduce stress. Ag Explorer helps growers maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explorer can help you get more out of your crop at agexplorer.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, thanks for joining us for another episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We're talking today about using data for decision-making. Temple Rhodes, uh, extreme ag guy from the Eastern Shore of Maryland, is going to talk about how he uses data to make better decisions and then ultimately make bigger yields and more money. So Temple, I threw you notes and I said, have you changed things this year from data gathered last year? And then how did you gather that data? And the thing is, we always talk about, all right, knowing this stuff is cool. You know, oh, knowledge is power. Well, it's only power if you use it. So you let's talk about the data you in particular have and then how you're using it. So like what data have you already used from last year for a better this year? Well, there's two different sides of this data collection, um, Damien. So you can use this data um, to save money too. So, you know, you want to talk about all the trials that we do, um, just being able to, you know, we, we put everything through uh, the climate app, you know, and all the, all the planners, sprayers, all that. And then we log all that. Um, and then we take it all to yield. So one thing that we do with our data is, you know, when, when we're putting all these trials in, and it could be a grower standard practice, sometimes we're finding stuff that we don't really need so we can pull back out of it. You know, when you collect this, you're always looking for that positive thing, right? Yeah. So there's two sides of that. We can look at the positive side or we can look at the negative side. Yeah. So sometimes we're taking stuff out and then putting something different in. So there's, there's one thing that we're going to do, but you know, you and I have had multiple discussions about tissue samples, right? Um, and we don't want to talk about Chad's, you know, tissue samples, you know, we'll be arguing all day. Chad flies but off he, the handle. Chad flies off the handle and we did a recording. We were to tell the listener, if you didn't see it, he's with Molly and Stephanie from Agro Liquid. It was last year standing next to his full-size corn crop and he was all over the place. Tissue sampling, you should do it. Tissue sampling is worthless. Tissue, And then he gets them all worked up. And the reality is he did say at the final end of the deal, he says, if you go out and make a big change right now based on a tissue sample you just pulled 11 days ago, that's probably the wrong thing to do. It's more of a trend you're looking for to use that decision-making knowledge next year. And that's kind of what you're talking about. You, you're probably now looking at, we, we've had a historic problem with this, field or with this that's exactly right so you know talking about what we always talk about you know there there's guys that 
have problems with foliars that they've used and they never see a return on their investment. So how I look at my tissue samples is it's just a data bank, right? So I'm pulling last year's tissue samples to help me this year. And I pull them in different stages, right? So one is my early emergence, right? So when it comes out of ground, cut the whole plant out. Um, I did that last year. And whatever is in majority of my samples that I see has always been a problem, then I can fix it in my inferro problem next year or in my tuba too. So let's say that I'm always low in boron. You know, I can't put boron in, you know, as Chad says, in the ditch. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't put it in the ditch because you can't put boron in there. So maybe I can add that into my tuba too. So I can fix that problem there. And then I take another sample at V2, and then I can fix it in my tuba tube next year or in my herbicide treatment. You know, when I make that first pass over top with herbicide, you know, so I can, you can plug and play all this to actually make you money. And it can make you money by adding yield, or it can make you money by taking something out that didn't necessarily work. Let's go with a big one there. You said that twice now, so it's obviously on your mind. You said one way about using data is to uh, remove something. Let's face it, there's a lot of costs. I don't know, it's, it's spring of 2023, not counting cash rent or return to land value. You're still talking about what, $800 to put out an acre of corn? I don't know, does that sound like yeah. a fair Yeah, it's right. probably seven twenty-five to seven fifty this year. It's down some, okay, but so you're still, your cost is still high. Yeah, so 725 750 bucks. And so if you find with data and with actually analysis of the information, like, hey, you know what we've done? We've probably overused this product, whatever it should be. Probably it's probably the big things are NP and K, which we always just fling more of that out there. If you find out, you know what? Because I actually broke down this information, I found out that we were spending $17 too much or whatever that thing should be. You start talking about real money. And so you've mentioned that twice. Give me an example of something you've taken. So I'm going to give you an example. So we always front load all of our phosphorus, right? So we did a, we did some studies last year, Chad and I did, where we moved some phosphorus towards the, uh, the reproductive stage. But we all, all farmers, you know, for the most part, we front load all of our phosphorus. So we're finding out now that we could pull back on that a little bit, use a phosphorus efficiency agent up there, and then kind of front load that onto the backside. You know, we're pulling it out of the front, put it in further to the back, and we're getting a benefit out of that. And we're actually reducing some of the rates that we're using. So it's not just that. It's also like I've made mistakes by looking at my data and I've been using PGRs and I'm finding out that sometimes, you know, it's just too much. You know, I'm trying to trigger it at the wrong time or maybe I just sent it just a little too far. So I'm pulling back from some of those things and kind of coming back to a little more reality. Answer me this. So you talked about one analysis of data told you that you were putting too much front loaded phosphorus in, but then you, by doing that, you cut back your rate, but then you did some later in the season. Was it a net reduction or was it just a reduction at each application? So in other words, you didn't really save money on phosphorus. You just got more bang for the buck of phosphorus or did you actually reduce usage of phosphorus? 
which a couple of different things. So yes, I reduced the, the phosphorus load because when we put on phosphorus as a true NPK, we account for that in our nutrient management program. But if I'm putting on a big load of phosphorus in the end and I'm saving a little bit of money and I'm sticking it in the end and I'm putting it on as a foliar, that does not count against me. So it's kind of a, it's, it, it helps on both sides for me. And then I was saving a little bit of money, moving a little bit of it, taking a little bit of um, P out of up front, which saved me a fair amount, used more of it in the end, and then got a better result from it. So money hidden in the data, higher yields, and I've reduced the amount of money that I put out. All right. Now let's talk about what you, you some numbers you crunched or data information you got that you said, holy crap, I think I'm deficient here. Okay. And I need to be, I need to be sending. And by the way, dear listener, he is the Sendit. He is one of the Sendit twins. He and Chad Henderson, if they're ever faced. I'm more like, I'm more like Sendit Jr. Because he's Sendit. He's Sendit. He's Sendit Senior. He's Sendit Senior. You're Sendit Junior. Because Chad Henderson never looked at the situation and said, oh, let's not do that. He always thinks, go for it. The, the Cinda twins, we're going to end up having little action figures, I think, or bobbleheads, because right now, guys, we have two kittens. Lane Miles has two kittens that he called the Cinda twins that are uh, down, down in Arkansas. By the way, I saw that and it got me a little scared. Um, becoming emotionally attached to kittens on a farm is historically for me was usually a bad move because uh, there's a lot of moving parts right there that aren't necessarily feline friendly. Uh, all right. When did you so, decide, using data, when did you decide that you were deficient of something or you needed to do something more and it turned out it was a big bang for your buck? So one of the things that, that we always bank on, you know, I, I had this question the other day. Um, one of the things that we found out in years past that we can always count on a couple things in my region. It's usually going to be cool. When it first comes out of the ground, it's usually going to be fairly wet. Yeah. Um, we're usually going to be phosphorus deficient. We're going to be manganese deficient. And we're going to be manganese deficient. Well, those three items there, phosphorus feeds energy, manganese and magnesium, both kind of help with photosynthesis. So those are all the things that I'm going to be lacking in weather-wise. And I know it's going to show up in my plant. So I feed those things into the plant in a in furrow and that has dramatically helped me in the end did you find did idea. you did you have data that told you your plants were magnesium and manganese deficient and what was the other one you mm -hmm. said those two and phosphorus and phosphorus, and phosphorus. you you found out just through tissue and then as chad's thing is you didn't make some wholesale change and then say i'm gonna go ahead and get out the sprayer and mix up a bunch of micronutrients and go over the top right now. You said. So, so here's, here's what, here's what drew me to this years ago. So um, we always went through and we would go through these periods and um, we would take tissue samples and yeah, and we would chase that ghost, but it never made a difference. It always, yes, it always greened back up, but it would always green back up because it, the sunlight came out and we got some heat and you would go around and you'd ask your, regional retailer or your agronomist in area and the first thing that he would tell you i'd be like man look at my corn it's terrible it looks yellow like what's going on i'm freaking out and they all say the same thing we need sun and we need heat and you're going to be fine 
Well, that's true, but that doesn't do anything but anger me. I'm yeah, like, because you, know, you can't change the weather, to, to, right? Because you, you can't change you can't you can't change the weather, and I know that that's the answer, but I don't want my plants to look like that. Yeah. So we need to be proactive. So you know that you've already lost yield this year. So take that sample get figured out what it is. And if that is what is inherent for your area, then fix it in your inferior treatment. So I did, and I've never had that lag as bad as what I used to have. Now, sometimes it's still there, but it's definitely way better than it ever was before. It is a really good return on your investment to do that. Too much data. This is something I've heard before and I can kind of understand it. You got like your combine spitting out information, your sprayer spitting out information, go to the USDA and they've got information. Every soil consultant, agronomic consultant you have out there gives you information. Temple, let's face it, you're a smart dude, but sometimes it gets overwhelming. How do you keep from getting overwhelmed with information? Um, there's people out there that you can lean on and you, you have to be willing to get outside of your basically get out of your own way listen damon we all know we can't do it all right you know i'm not saying that we need to have an in-house guy but we need to have somebody that we can lean on that we can kind of push some of this data to and say hey i need some help with this or i need some help with that something to help you dissect some problems you know um you know when you just talked about you know being able to have some efficiency agents in there with fertilizer um here's one that I didn't catch until the end of the season last year. And it was just kind of, I, I kind of stumbled upon it from a guy that kind of helps me out a little bit. And he saw it in my, in my, in my data. He was like, man, we need to go take a look at this data on these specific spots. Well, we ate it at side dress. You know, you asked me about something that's become my grower standard practice yeah. so on one trial that we did last year we used some efficiency efficient efficiency agents on our side dress and we dramatically made a big difference in the yield because we drove some products and we drove some fertilizer whether it was np or k into the plant during reproduction when we made that last Y drop pass. So that to me was a huge, huge deal. So it was enough bushels that I a hundred percent is going to do that on all my acres. The, the adjustment again was, cause I got distracted over here. looking at my notes, the adjustment you made that you, and it's saving you money. Again, tell me the exact thing you're doing, the practice you're changing. So the practice I'm changing this year where it came out of a field trial last year. Now, when I say it was a field trial, it was like a hundred acres versus a hundred acres. It was a fertilizer efficiency agent. Okay. And we added it to our fertilizer yeah. right during side dress, which, you know, we call it side dress here, but it's during your wide drop period. And we drove more fertility into that plant yeah. and we, our uptake into that plant when we took our tissue samples was somewhere between 18 and 23% higher levels of fertility in the plant at the, um, when we got to VT. Right, so so answer, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. So answer me this about the overwhelming part of it, because I, I get it. You know, they always talk about, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, analysis paralysis and all that paralysis analysis whatever they call it the main thing is um 
some people aren't as tough as you and me and they get more easily shook up and rattled you and me we're on stage you know we have a big mouth right. we have big mouths so people commonly want to take swings at us we don't get rattled yeah. by we don't get rattled by people want to take a swing at us but let's say you're a little bit more easily rattled and you're like i'm afraid to gather any more information because i'm already rattled as it is so i guess the thought for them is no it's better to have the information than to not have it even if you don't use all of it at least you know what the hell's going on is that probably the way to look at it because i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of information sources right now about your field that we didn't have just a decade ago yeah you know you know at our age damien it it, it does become overwhelming really really fast and i think the us guys that are you know because of the technology that are farming because of the technology and it's so much it's easier for the younger generation to absorb some of that so i'm starting to lean more on the younger generation to help me out with that as much as i possibly can because it does become overwhelming and yeah. i don't get rattled by it but sometimes i miss something yeah. you know so the younger generation they know how to decipher that and how to get through it a lot quicker than what you and i do so yeah. lean on them yeah, like like uh, I I don't really understand how to do this thing with this app on my phone. Hand it to a twenty five year old or maybe even a fifteen year old. Okay, so answer me this: some of the information that you hand off, because how I would look at it is, I would probably, and I'm guessing this is your approach. Maybe you've got a consulting agronomist, and you say, "All right, here's all the data that you have. Tell me how to interpret it. Is it more asking for the interpret, or is it may just say practices? No, just tell me what to do." Which one do you do? It's it's not really more of practices. It's not really about, hey, help me interpret this. It's more of there's so much data in there, it can just get lost in that app, right? Yeah. And maybe we can't navigate it as well as the younger generation can. You know, how many times you have you been on one of your apps that you can't navigate through it and they push a button somewhere else? And you're like, where did you find that? At? <laughs> right, you know, that. so I, I find myself lost sometimes, you know, on that end. All right. Answer me this. Uh, I, in my notes, you I said combine monitor. Combines used to be, uh, you know, gleaners of the of the crop. Now they're also gleaners of information. Let's face it. What do you interpret? What do you take from the information? Uh, and how do you use it for decision-making? Do you, you know, okay, one thing we're doing, I know, is like Kelly talks about variable rate seeding and variable rate nitrogen, and it's based on where your yields are in your maps. Do you use that data to change inputs next year? I use all of it. So one thing to keep in mind, all of this data is only as good as the person that put it in. Yeah. So it's very, very important that if it's put in right in the beginning and it's in your planter monitor or your sprayer monitor or whatever it might be, if that's put in right, the combine just does its job. Yeah. And it will give you a printout at the end once you can get to that point. When it deciphers the yield, it will give you a printout, a summary of each one of the things that you want to do. And it's really, really easy. So as far as the combine data, you know, whether it was a fertilizer trial, a PGR trial, a, a variety trial, whatever it might be, when I get done that farm, my summary prints it right out for me. So the combine part is very, very easy. It's the rest of it is is harder because it has to be done right 
The combine just spits it out when it's done, and that makes it easy. What about um, a decision? You already gave me a couple. Any other decisions you're making in crop year 2023 that is specifically just from data and information gathering that you've just gotten in the last year or two? Is there anything that this year, when you're out there going through planting, when you're now maybe making your decisions about first treatment or even harvest, is there anything that you say, yep, one thing that we decided to do differently in 23 is this, and it's because of that? Well, you know, you asked me about changes that we've made. Um, you know, we made some mechanical changes as well, Damien. You know, there's ways to make singulation better from the beginning. And I think that our focus, you know, here has been singulating not just corn. You know, we talk about that one piece of corn or that one plant, you know, that it's a little bit spindly or whatever. And that thing is really just a weed and it's sucking away from you. What's well, no different than soybeans. That's how we've increased our soybean yields is to singulate everything. So we upgraded this year and we put parallel arms from um, integrated ag on our planters and they have bearings in them. So that ride on that machinery, on that planter row, it rides really, really smooth because it, as it goes up and down, it's riding on a bearing versus the way it used to be. It was metal to metal bushings. So you've got vibration, you've got a little bit of jiggling carrying on. And each time that it jiggles a little bit, you give the opportunity for that seed to bounce as it goes down that seed tube. And that's when you can get off on your simulation. So, so basically, wait, wait, before you get that, so it's really, does it also then vary your depth? All of a sudden now, I mean, it can vary your depth. So as that seed is coming down the tube, um, if it gets bouncing around, instead of just coming down the tube and sliding down the tube and going right in the ground, if it gets bouncing and beating around in there from vibration, it can affect your depth as well. So we've improved all of that. We've improved seed depth, improved singulation, corn and beans, both. And, you know, we'll talk about beans for just a second. When you can't singulate soybeans, if you have two plants that you, is a double and then you have a little skip and then you have plants that are singulated right, correctly, all in the row within the same foot, well, what you have is three different types of plants. You've got the ones that are doubles or a thin line bean, and they're going to be at a different stage in their life. The one that there's a skip next to it is going to be a bushy bean, and then the other ones that are space correctly that is a mid bushy bean so when you look at those situations and we're asking you here at extreme ag to hey pay attention to your stages and look for these trigger points well to be honest with you there's three different trigger points in the yeah. same field and that's what you don't want yeah so all of those things are mechanical that you can improve some of the things from the beginning to the end and that it all starts there all right, so uh, an information analysis that you did last year, it was really about looking at the plants and, and singulation spacing, et cetera, et cetera. And you said, you know what? The problem's not the seed. Problem's not the fertility. I've got the data that says that. That's the good part. Sometimes it's not, it's the data you didn't have. You knew the data said that the fertility was fine, the, the seed was fine, everything else about fine. Maybe the planter is is the problem and I can make a few amendments to my back of my planter so that the seed goes in and that doesn't have an excuse. So that was almost like using all the information to to sort of then point to the problem might be the planter. Yeah, so 
I'll give you a, for instance, your numbers guy, right? So the results of making that move from last year to this year, here's one thing you got to remember. So I was talking about the vibration. Well, there's a calculation in your planner that tells you what that is. It's what they call good ride. So my good ride on my planner row improved by five to 7% over what it always has been before. Yeah. My singulation has proved improved by a half a percent. That's a big deal. My plant stands have improved by three to 5%. And I'm hoping for a yield of 2% higher based on those numbers. So, and I think that that's a conservative number of 2% just by all those things. So if I can improve 200 bushel corn by 2%, that's four bushel. It pays for itself all day long. So <clears throat> all of these things work very well and everything's a systematic approach. Everything works in unison. I'm going to ask you the last question because I really think we've done this a good thing here about how you're using your data for decision-making. You talked about too much data. Where's there not enough data? Where is the next thing that you want more information because you think you could make better decisions? Where are you lacking the information that you would like to have to make better decisions? Truthfully, there's so much information. I just need help in interpreting it and using it. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no way. It. I don't know. I don't know that there's so much technology out there and there's so much data. Sometimes, you know, we, we always, my father uses this and a good friend of mine uh, uses this all the time. You know, simple isn't always better, but simple is always simpler. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we need to simple some of this up so we can better utilize it. I don't know that we need more data. I think that we need to do a better job of what we have. All right, so you don't think that we're missing anything big right now? Not right now. now what's I mean, in the future- gonna, hey, You're, you're gonna watch this, you're gonna watch this playback in five years, and it's gonna remind you, allegedly there was someone like in the 1800s yeah. that sent a letter to the patent agency and said, Everything that's ever going to be invented is invented. We don't need you anymore. And that's kind of like the joke right there. I don't need any more data. We yeah. have everything we'll ever need. And five years from here, say, good God, we didn't know what we didn't know. I think once we do a better job, I probably got about 50 other ideas that are coming down the pike that we could utilize. Um, but right now, I think we just need to do a better job dissecting what we have. Last big one. We kind of called this uh, using data for decision-making don't you think, and we're not being critical because it can be overwhelming. A lot of people have data and then don't make a change because we are certainly in ag and industry that there's lots of changes going on, but we, we like to cling to kind of what we always did. You know, there's a lot of people still doing stuff. You know, there's a guy, Kelly's got a neighbor up there that still fall plowed and all this field washed down the, <laughs> washed down the river. And, uh, yeah. seems to me that that's still, uh, not me. He's not using any data or making any changes. You think that maybe we've got uh, more of a, it's not a data collection problem. It's a willingness to make change problem. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, it's, it's really hard. You got to remember we're in a very, very tradition bound 
environment here. I mean, this is the careers that we that we chose. You know, I'm probably doing what my father did. My father's doing what his father did, so on and so forth. We don't want to make changes. All we really want to do, for the most part, in the ag industry, is blame the seed company or blame the chemistry company. Weather, weather. You know, for not for or weather for not had letting me grow more yield when it's really we're in our own way. Yeah. And like I've said before, I've, you know, we've talked about it a million times. There is money hidden in this data. We just got to get to it. I think that maybe the recommendation would be, because it can be overwhelming and there's a lot of moving parts. When you farm, you got, uh, you wear a lot of hats and there's a lot of things going on to maybe not make such drastic changes that you can't sleep at night, but to take the data, take maybe two points of data. Like you talked about just a couple simple yep. things. Like you took some tissue sampling and made a big decision and you took a, a planter and, and a way the seed was going to ground. You made, you did like three big changes, three minor mid range changes based on right. data versus 50 changes. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think at some point, I think, we better get behind the fact that we need to collect as much data as we can, because at some point there's going to be some regulation and they're not going to let us do certain things unless we do a better job of collecting the data and showing what we do, that there's a return there. And it's really about not overusing anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big one. Probably in this farm bill temple, there's going to be more green and environmental uh, angles on it. And so if you have the data to prove that you've not been letting your field wash down the river or whatever, you're probably going to be better off is kind of what you're, you're talking about. Quantities and whatnot. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Environmental compliance. And obviously you're on the front edge of it in the Chesapeake Bay, which we've talked about a number of times. He is uh, in Centerville, Maryland. His name's Temple Rhodes. He's got a field day coming up on August 22nd. If you want to put that on your calendar, if you're anywhere in that Eastern shore, you're in that Pennsylvania, Virginia area, and you want to go check it out, I'm going to be there. And um, also, I want to remind you this. You can share this with anybody that can benefit from it. We've got some of the top producers that are doing forward-thinking stuff. They're not afraid to make mistakes. They're doing everything they can to produce bigger yields with less resources, and they're sharing all their information with you. It's called Extreme Ag, extremeag.farm. And you know this because you're listening right now, but does everybody you know that could benefit from it know this? Share this around, please, so that more people can see and hear what we're saying. We're on Acres TV. We're on our own platform uh, at Acres uh, Acres TV, and we're on our own platform, extremeag.farm. If you want to go to the next level, $750 a year will buy you a membership. $750 a year. That's peanuts for the amount of information you're going to get. You're going to have exclusive monthly webinars that only paying members can attend. You also get direct access to people like Temple, so you can go to uh, him and say, hey, I've got this problem. So anyway, if you're wanting to take your farming game to the next level, consider becoming a paying member. Till next time, he's Temple Road. I'm Damian Mason. This is Extreme Ag's Curvature. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more insights and information that you can apply to your farming operation, visit ExtremeAg.Farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explorer has you covered with a full line of products designed to reduce crop stress and improve yields. Check out AgExplore.com and start protecting your yields and profits.